Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We have a lot to cover today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than Yasmin Aliyah Khan, remarkable individual host of Global Threat Podcast and the Breakdown contributor. Should be a fascinating analysis. Top story of the day, mass shooting, city of Atlanta now. There's a part of this story that has gone underreported. According to the mother of the alleged mass shooter, this was over medication, mental health medication that was wrong. That's according to the mother. I will go into detail about that aspect of the story. Um, let's put his picture up again. You're looking at Mr. Dion Patterson. He's in custody now after allegedly killing one and injuring four. That fits the definition of mass shooting. This was a video captured provided by the Atlanta Police Department of Patterson. The mother reached by phone shortly after Patterson's name was released by the Atlanta PD. The mom, Ms. Mignon Patterson, told the Daily Beast, and I quote, the damn VA gave him some messed up medication and all he wanted was an adamant. Uh, and she hung up and did not elaborate any further. It's used to treat anxiety, all right, anxiety. Here's another uh, element of this tragedy not reported holistically. You actually have an individual with a bona fide mental health disorder. Now I know many times the narrative of mental health disease is utilized uh, in order to protect a white male going through a difficult day. But in this case, you have an individual with a chronic history of actual health, mental health issues. And he was seeking help that same day. That's why the mother brought him to the mental health professionals. There's more. The suspected gunman who opened fire in an Atlanta medical center, killing one woman and injuring four others, was apprehended on Wednesday night, according to reports. Dion Patterson, 24 years of age, allegedly opened fire in a waiting room at a Northside Hospital Medical Midtown facility at 12.08 p.m., killing a 39-year-old woman, according to the police. That is a tragedy. That's a tragedy. Everybody there is there to either A, get help or provide help. It's a hospital. Everyone there is there to get help or provide help on some level. I don't want to see people shot. I don't want to see people die. But if we don't talk about it in the full context of what we have here, no policy would change and no outcome would change if circumstances are the exact same next time. Here you have what? An intersection, a causality, if you would, of a failed healthcare system in the United States of America, and yes, mental health is provided in that. A failed mental health response system in the United States of America, and yes, that's the reason he was at the hospital in the first place, according to all of the reports, to obtain mental health treatment. There's more. Patterson was in custody 
per U.S. Marshals. Police believe Patterson fled the 11th floor of the hospital in the bustling Midtown Commercial and Residential District and carjacked a vehicle, which was later recovered in Cobb County, north of the city. Have you yet heard a mention about him being at the hospital seeking mental health treatment? Have you heard in the narrative up front in the presentation of these articles and headlines that he was suffering a mental health crisis? No, and legitimately he actually was. This is a case where you don't have to reach. He was at the hospital seeking mental health care. You have to use a magnifying glass to find that part in the story. And most of them don't even mention the mental health element. There's more, according to CNN. According to CNN, I had to go to various publications in order to get this part. Apparently, this was a former Coast Guard member. So he's military. He was a service member whose family was concerned for his mental health. His family was concerned for his mental health. Reportedly arrived at an appointment with his mother. Mom did the right thing. You need to get help, son. I'm going to meet you at the hospital so that you can get the help you need. Something took place during the course of that appointment. We don't know yet. That set him off, according to one of the commentators. The Atlanta police said Patterson's mother has been cooperating. Miller said something may have rattled Patterson during the appointment, whether they told him they wanted to get him into an inpatient situation that might have rattled him, whether just his presence there further agitated him. But we know we had a mother struggling with an adult child who she had concern for that she brought him to mental health care professionals. Once again, mental health care at the forefront and center of this entire tragedy that took place in the city of Atlanta. Now, for those who refuse to acknowledge mental health care, the overexposure of the opportunity to get guns without vet or vetting, if they push back on those narratives, on those simple policy items, I have something to remind them of, okay? There was a poll taken by the University of Chicago. Let's put it up. University of Chicago, Harris School of Public Policy. The Associated Press, NRC, North Center for Public Affairs Research shows 71% of Americans say what? Gun laws should be stricter, 71% including about half of Republicans agree. The vast majority of Democrats and majority of those in gun-owning households also agree. Gun laws should be stricter. You cannot have a conversation about a mass shooting in America without talking about the underlying issues that led to it. And I know some will push back and say, well, Doc, what about illegal guns? We need to just get rid of illegal guns, illegal guns. That's the problem, Doc. Every illegal gun in America started as a legal gun in America. It only became illegal when something happened, a theft, it was involved in a crime, etc. If you believe illegal guns are the problem, you must believe that legal guns are the problem too. 
because you cannot get one without the other. There's more. According to the public policy survey, 83% of gun owners support expanded background checks on sales of all firearms, including 72% of all NRA members, National Rifle Association members. They believe you need to have a stricter policy in this country. You need to do background checks universal. Most gun owners believe this. Most NRA members believe this, but it is still not law. It is still not policy in this country. Why? Ask yourself why. The answer is simple. Gun manufacturers, those that create the weapons, lobby against all notion of common sense as it relates to guns. There's more. The survey from Morning Consult and Politico show that 88% of respondents support universal background checks. 81% also said they support making private gun sales and sales at gun shows subject to background checks, still not law. Additionally, an overwhelming 84% said they will support preventing sales of all firearms to people who have been reported as dangerous to law enforcement by a mental health provider, still not universal law. The survey also found that 79% strongly or somewhat supported barring gun purchases by people on the federal no-fly zone, no-fly watch list. 75%, meanwhile, strongly or somewhat support creating a national database with information about each gun sale. And 67% support banning assault-style weapons. We all agree. Do you get that? Democrats, Republicans, independents, black, white, brown, young, not so young, we all agree. Every single one of us, universal background checks, we all agree. Red flag laws, sounds like a good idea. Mental health care provider says this individual is unstable. Uh, we may need to put them on a no, no gun buy list for now. Most Americans say have no problem with that. We have to balance our constitutional rights, our opportunities, with those that may try to threaten us. There's a balancing here. And for the conservatives who will push back and say, well, Doc, you want to take guns away? No, I don't. I don't want to take guns away. No, no more than I want to take your freedom of speech away. But if you utilize your speech to engage in crime, then naturally there is a penalty for that. The government can, in fact, enforce it. The idea of everybody simply having unlimited guns is ridiculous. The idea that a person who's suffering a mental health crisis or has a diagnosed active mental health disorder and is trying to get back to that place of whole, it makes sense to say, you know, this person may not be the best individual to buy a gun right now in his life. These are common sense rules for conduct. It's not complex at all. But for those who say, well, this is about individual rights, let me remind you, it wasn't until 2008 that the Supreme Court said the right to bear arms is an individual right. They took it out of the context of the U.S. Constitution that said this was about a well-regulated militia. You see, I want you to go to Federalist. And in 46, it clearly says the reason why they wanted a well-regulated militia in Federalist number 46, Madison believed a federal army, a federal army, a federal army could be kept from forming 
or at least in check by state militias. A standing army would be opposed by a militia. He proffered that state militias would be able to repel the danger of a federal army. The entire reason they included that part in the Constitution was to eliminate the idea or decrease the effect of a standing federal army. You have a federal army now. Obviously, it didn't work. If we don't get this part in check and actually create policies that make sense that, by the way, the vast majority of Americans agree with, you have to start really asking yourself who's in control. Because obviously, the NRA members, if you're an NRA member, you're not in control of a damn thing. Why won't your organization lobby to fit the values that you have already said you believe in? Why keep paying them if they're not going to represent you? We actually agree, strict gun laws is required now. All right, yes, my thoughts here. Yeah, it's good that you bring that up about how many gun-carrying Americans, Republicans and Democrats alike, both support on both sides of the aisle stricter gun laws, right? And just common sense gun laws. And I live in Texas. Guns are a big part of the culture here in Texas. And even in the most rural parts of Texas, you find Republican voters who want stronger gun laws. I'm a Democrat. I have guns in my house and I want stricter gun laws. You know, but in this country, it's kind of two sides to the story, right? There's the mental health aspect of it, and then there's the gun aspect, right? It's the unfettered access to guns, despite the obvious and the observed consequences of that access. And it's the dwindling mental health of Americans. We are angry, we are stressed, we are scared, and we are armed. And as much as we tell ourselves that we're fine, as much as we pretend that it's an individualistic problem that should be dealt with on an individual level, it's really not. Even if people do try to deal with it on their own, there are limited resources available to them and they're still expected to engage in the society that made them this way while trying to deal with it. You know, it gets to a point where taking individual responsibility isn't enough to solve societal problems. And that point happened a long time ago. It happened when we started seeing as many mass public shootings as we've been seeing for years already. It happened when individual problems became public issues on such a big scale. You know, we can't keep expecting people to take such incredible personal responsibility without giving them the resources to do so, without funding those resources. And we can't keep saying this is what should happen when the consequences of it not happening happening include people actually dying and families falling apart. Whether or not it should happen, it's not happening. So we need to figure something else out. Very well said. We will follow as the story develops. Herschel, Herschel damn Walker. I didn't think I would say that again after the guy lost his Senate race. Uh, according to a report, he tried to uh, steal or um, obtain 500 plus thousand dollars from a billionaire donor. Uh, I'm going to get into this story. It's a hell of a story. Uh, but I want to remind you of what you've been missing. Here it is about why he flashed a badge during Friday's debate and whether he's pretending to be a police officer. And where's this one from? This is from my hometown. This is from Johnson County, from the sheriff of Johnson County, which is a legit 
badge. Everyone can make fun, but this badge, give me the right. If I, let me finish. If anything happened in this county, I have the right to work with the police and getting things done. Walker saying he's participated in training and leadership programs with law enforcement for years. Does that have a resting authority or it's an honorary badge? It is an honorary badge, but they can call me whenever they want me and I have the authority to do things for them, to work with them on things. The National Sheriff's Association said an honorary badge, quote, is for the trophy case. Why make the decision well, to flash totally, it at the that debate? That is totally not true. Yeah. Herschel Walker received a badge basically from a toy company. Okay. And during his debate, he pulled out the badge when he was debating Senator Warnock. Then he had an interview, pulled out a badge again. After that interview, he put the badge on social media. He just couldn't let it go. Kind of like this. Failed Georgia Republican, candidate for the U.S. Senate, Herschel Dan Walker had an improper solicitation of a billionaire donor revealed in emails obtained by the Daily Beast. It has shocked campaign finance experts, the outlet reports. Walker, in communication with donor Dennis Washington, sought hundreds of thousands of dollars for his own personal business, according to the Daily Beast. Here's the background. Washington complied with Walker's request. For the funds, the 500 plus thousand dollars. Now, he said he thought it was political, right? Okay. The emails, which have been verified as authentic by a person with knowledge of the exchange, specifically shows Walker requested $535,200 to be wired directly to that undisclosed company, HR Talent LLC, according to the report. Now, Roger Sollenberger writes for the Daily Beast, in the best possible circumstances, legal experts told the Daily Beast the emails suggest uh, exponential violations of federal fundraising rules. In the worst case, it could be an indication of a more serious crime uh, such as wire fraud. I actually agree with the latter based on the obvious manipulation of the funding. So they're going to tell you, uh, well, it was... Um, uh, it was undisclosed. Yeah, that's it. Un unsolicited. Or he made an error. Or maybe this one. The billionaire who makes a living engaging in for-profit finance and business operations was confused about giving $500,000 to a company as opposed to the campaign. He thought somehow the name HR Talent must have been a campaign rather than a company, even though it clearly says LLC, Limited Liability Company, at the end of what he wrote. So I'm going to tell you exactly what I believe happened here. This was not some kind of, hey, can I get $500,000 just for some pocket change, Mr. Billionaire? No. This was the process of purchasing a U.S. senator, a potential U.S. senator. You know, there was a time when Herschel Walker looked as if he was going to win. And I guarantee you, if you map the date based on when this occurred, it will align when Herschel Walker was doing his best in polling. I guarantee you. This is how they do it. This is how they get down. 
Now, remember, we are only in knowledge of this transaction because of an email, not because of a financial report, nor a whistleblower or someone inside of a financial institution. There you have it. Mr. Righteous Christian Evangelical who told us that white people need to receive reparations rather than blacks. Herschel Dan Walker, an American tragedy. All right, thoughts. What what was the headline? What did it say? It was unparalleled in its audacity. I feel like that so perfectly epitomizes just Herschel Walker in general, doesn't it? Yes. It's just jaw dropping. I mean, like part of me wants to give credit where it's due. It's not nice to scam people, but if you were able to scam a billionaire out of half a million dollars, maybe that billionaire didn't deserve to have that half a mil in the first place. But, you know, of course, the bigger problem here is that some billionaire was willing to just hand over half a million dollars as an illegal donation to a political campaign. Apparently, no questions asked, because if he had asked even a single question, I feel like he wouldn't have gotten scammed. You know, scams happen to the best of us. But if you're out here getting scammed by Herschel Walker, you should probably rethink some things in your life. Yeah, and I don't think Herschel scammed a damn thing. That's just my opinion. More information will come. Uh, and by the way, guys, I'm gonna give you something. Uh, the Daily Beast never gives you everything in the first story. Just something I thought you should know. They wait for your response, see if you lied, and then they come back with something else. All right? You can thank me tomorrow. A kid, right? What if I told you a child complained about being called the N-word and was disciplined for doing so? Put up the picture for a mask. It's a damn shame. Young Nico Carpenter, a soccer player at the Padilla School in Atlanta, Georgia, was suspended after he reportedly complained to a game official about racial slurs being hurled at his team by players from another high school in Floyd County, Georgia. Now, this is supposed to be a massively um, prestigious, but not too elite school. It's a good school. It's grounded with a lot of advantages, all right? That is how it is branded in the city. So in the game, parents said their sons had to experience rough play. But aside from that, they reportedly were called the N-word several times. The complaints were met with yellow cards and warnings from referees. Carpenter, the young man, had received a red card for reportedly taunting another player on the opposite team, running to the team's bench and pointing at players after he scored a goal. Due to the suspension, he was ineligible to play in the state championship game. The Georgia High School Athletic Association, they ruled to uphold the suspension of one of the members of the boys soccer team at the school in Atlanta, Georgia. That was ahead of Tuesday's May 2nd state championship. Uh, let's put up Dr. James R. Hines Jr. Okay, so Dr. Hines is the executive director of the Georgia High School Athletic Association. The buck stops with him. Students who wanted to send a message about racism wore shirts, T-shirts with the words, no room for racism, 
to the May 2nd championship game. Fidea's athletic director submitted a request, okay? Submitted a request, a request to have the suspension lifted, but learned on Tuesday that the GHSAA denied that request. We are following our rules and going by the game report and officials, said Robin Hines, executive director. Ejections are not reviewable. Hines added that parents and the school community reported hearing the racial slurs, but the officials never reported actually hearing them. This is the principal, Joseph uh, Joseph, uh, says the school reportedly didn't return any phone calls. Well, they reached out. The school did not return any phone calls, but did respond later to Atlanta Black Star uh, in a letter uh, that said, hey, you know, we're investigating the incident now. Uh, Let's go to the Floyd County superintendent. This is Glenn White, all right? Uh, Glenn White has said the investigation found his students never used racial slurs. All right. That's what he says his students. Um, And once again, kind of sleight of hand here. uh, We're talking about what happened with the opposition team. What we want to do is make it very clear. That. Issues related to race impact us all. It is not just a black thing, even though it impacts black people more when we are uh, the target of racial injustice, but truly it impacts everyone. This is still an everyone issue. We're going to deal with it as such. There are those at your institution, sir, who are well aware of what you said and what you did. It doesn't need to be a cover up when we know these things happen. Respond the right way. Be appropriate in how you treat these children, all of them. All right. Yes, my thoughts. Yeah. You know, this just speaks to priorities, doesn't it? The kid Mm -hmm. who was bullied is reprimanded for speaking out, but the bullies are fine. So what's the offense here? The offense is speaking out, not bullying, certainly not racist bullying. It sends a message, and I have to assume that this messaging was intentionally done, that racism and bullying will be forgiven and even overlooked, while speaking out against marginalization will not be tolerated. I don't know what kind of environment they're trying to foster here. It's not one that's safe for children of color, and that's not an environment that children need to be in. There are so many mental health issues that children are already dealing with in schools right now. They don't feel safe and they don't feel supported, and it's affecting their performance and participation in schools. And it's not a reach to assume that the fact that the children yelling racist slurs without fear of repercussion, we're demonstrating learned behavior. And we can assume as much because of the efforts that were made by the parents to dismiss or deny the racist aspects of this story. I'm not a mom, but if that was my kid, I'd need him to know that that kind of behavior isn't okay, it isn't acceptable, and it is punishable. Yeah. And I want to say this to the students and parents who have been adversely impacted. Listen, get in touch with me. If there's more to the story, um, contact me right here. Uh, You can also hit me up on any social media platform that I'm on. Inbox me, tag me, all right? We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. Okay, I already got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen Wood. You want to call the police on him for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're still French! Back off! I said some African-American man threatening my life. What?
Do it. Do it. Do it. Consequences, repercussions. It's called self-defense. Okay, let's put it up. Clear as day. The white male in the yellow shirt is the aggressor. He takes his right hand, and it looks as if he attempts to slap the individual in front of him. Maybe that's his way of, I don't know, punching, possibly. Uh, and then the black male victim decides to literally do a matrix move. A boy's getting hit, but now the aggressor has made his intentions known. You have to somehow stop the threat. And that's what he did. Uh, before this happened, honestly, things could have gone bad for this male Karen going around hurling the N-word, right? But he was in a place that was obviously a happy place because nobody put their hands on him for saying the N-word. He only had physical contact when he attempted to harm, physically harm another human being. And a response was warranted. All right. Open his shit case here. Yasmin, thoughts here. Yeah, look, I don't condone violence, but I do like justice. And I don't believe that people should be allowed to smack someone in the head with a shopping basket without feeling some kind of repercussions. And unfortunately, some people don't understand consequences until they feel them this directly, however that's done. Maybe he'll think twice before starting something like this in the future, maybe not. But shout out to the woman who took the dog out of the way. <laughs> there you go, exactly. Thinking quick. All right, Bishop Bling, I didn't think I'd be covering this again this soon. Um, now there's an allegation that he used a fake deed in order to steal a church, illegally evicting congregation members. Now, that's what the allegation says. I'm going to give you the one, two, three, four of how we were introduced to Bishop Bling. Bishop Lamar, Lamore, excuse me, Miller, Bishop Lamar Miller, Whitehead is back in the headlines this time for deed theft. Uh, remember this. How many of you have lost your faith because you saw somebody else die what you about to go through? Yo, yo, all right, right, right. All right, right, yo, all right, all right. That was a sad situation, a sad day. His congregants were obviously afraid. Uh, this put children in danger. People coming in trying to rob the collection plate, so to speak. Well, during that story, I took the side of Bishop Bling and said, I don't care what you think about the guy personally. Nobody should be able to run up in any building and rob you or rob your congregants or 
put people in danger and children have to witness this is a bad thing all around. And then after that, we started getting reports that he is stealing money too. There's more. Now let's give Jesus a round of applause. While they take pictures and they wanna be on social media, take the pictures, take the pictures, take the pictures, take the pictures, take the pictures. Now go over here, go over here, grab her, grab her out, grab her out. Now you're gonna grab, grab her out, grab her out. Whatever charge you want. You're not gonna come in my space. I feel threatened. Amen. Amen. I mean, Bishop, you had none of that energy for the other men that came in there when when they came in your space, Bishop. You know, you gotta walk in the power of God, brother, all the time. Anyway, so Bishop Bling uh, decided to say some words against me. Uh, on his social media platform saying that I was tarnishing his good name. The irony of that statement was not lost on those who responded to him. Okay, um, in September of last year, we reported on the time he grabbed uh, the woman by the neck. We also talked about the value of his jewelry when all of this went down the first time. Some people said it was over a million bucks worth of jewelry he had on personally. In December, Brooklyn Bishop Lamort Miller Whitehead had been arrested on federal fraud charges after church members, church members, alleged he deceived them out of thousands of dollars. So let me say this to you, Bishop. I'm sure you're going to hop on your little live later today or tomorrow um, to talk about me. But dear brother, I'm bringing to your attention what your congregation is saying about you. You may want to hop your happy ass on IG and talk about them if they're wrong. There's more. He was sued for illegally, for illegally evicting a congregation that had been renting a church building since 2014. As a result, they had to find a new space to rent and halt their food pantry, which fed about 200 people from the community. Then in March, we reported on Whitehead using a fake bank document or fake bank documents to finance his home, allegedly telling the bank his business had two million on its coffers when it had uh, less than $10, he, the two million was on his neck. He was wearing it according to how much the jewelry was assessed at. The latest news, okay, a lawsuit obtained by Atlanta Black Star and filed in a Brooklyn Supreme Court alleges Bishop Lamore Whitehead falsified documents that said he was the owner of a church building whose congregation he evicted earlier in the year. The complaint was filed on Friday, April 28th, and named the pastor and leaders of Tomorrow International Ministry, Inc., as defendants. At the core of the lawsuit is the 5904 Foster Avenue Trust, an estate plan set up in New York City for a property owned by brother and sister Lydia Moses and Michael Moses. Whitehead expressed interest in securing the property but did not have all of the money needed to assume full ownership. Though the preacher and self-proclaimed real estate guru lacked the full financing to acquire the property, the trust agreed to give him authority to act in two matters related to the property, believing the funding would be met, the complaint says. The 
family, the Moses family, trust created an addendum. This addendum authorized Bishop Whitehead to commence a legal proceeding seeking the lawful removal of the occupants of the property and apply our financing to purchase the property. At no time, according to the complaint, did Moses resign as the trustee or give up any authority and power in, the, in that capacity. However, April 2023, Whitehead, Bishop Whitehead allegedly created a fake deed and attempted to register the property in his name, according to the complaint. Michael Moses is now seeking $3.5 million in damages from Bishop Whitehead and his church. He, as the rightful owner and trustee, is asking for the city to void Whitehead's deed and future dealings regarding the property. He's also asking for the court to award him any cost, expenses, disbursements, which was dumped on the Henry Hudson Parkway on April 7, 2007, the outlet reported. I mean, damn. All right. I mean, what can you say? What can you say? Uh, so at this point, uh, if you're doing business with Bishop Bling, with all of this information, uh, at your own risk. All right. Why? Why? Do new things when you're under investigation for old ones. I don't get that. Doesn't make sense. Who do you think you are, Donald Trump? Yasmin, man of the cloth. Yeah, man, I remember this guy. He is yeah. everything wrong with institutionalized, untaxed evangelicalism. He is every bad connotation of blind faith, and it's personified and draped in Louis Vuitton. But the fact that this guy is preaching religion to a congregation, a congregation that doesn't seem bothered by his very unchristian-like excess and his abusive behavior— is problematic in and of itself. He's being enabled by the people in his congregation, the same people who make donations to him and to the church, the same people who believe he deserves all the wealth and excess because he told them he does, the same people that he now evicted. He has been enabled and allowed to profit off of, I'm assuming, well-intentioned and religious individuals for years, right? His congregation has been misled, and sure, there's some personal responsibility that needs to be taken there, but even they, despite choosing to attend that man's church, didn't deserve to be the direct victim of his scheme like this. And on top of that, he's being supported by his quote-unquote mentor, the New York City mayor, Eric Adams, which is a whole other problem. You know, maybe we'll see some justice here and maybe not. Maybe he'll be protected by his mentor, the mayor, and maybe he'll lose the support of his congregation. Unfortunately, you compared him to Donald Trump. I've seen too many people defend behavior like this in people that they have chosen to support. There is no limit to the things people will defend in the name of faith. So unfortunately, churches are good places to run schemes at the expense of people who are presumably just trying to better themselves. And I want to say this to the members of that ministry. Um, I believe you are absolutely well-intentioned, good faith. I think you are trying to find remedy just like me by subscribing to a faith in the first place. I want to remind you that scripture says to be wise. Scripture says to be a good steward over what God has granted you. There are no exceptions to those biblical principles. If you're acting outside of wisdom and you're not being a good steward over the possessions and resources that God has given you, you are not aligned to that text. All right. I don't care what a man says. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay.
All right. Black doctor stands up for black women, gets passed up for promotion. Now sues. According to his narrative, let's put him up. He's well known to be a strong advocate for equity in medicine. Dr. Stanley Berry, impassioned Detroit physician, providing to women with high-risk pregnancies for over 37 years, is now suing his school of medicine, Wayne State University. Why is he suing Wayne State University? Let's go down the list. First, in 2020, I want you to know Barry, this good, great doctor, highly respected, was highlighted by time for his courageous work, choosing the front line during coronavirus over his planned retirement. He told the time, the bravest people that I know in my lifetime, Meg Evers, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr., all knew that they were going to die. They went ahead and did it anyway. I don't wanna die and I'm not in this to be a hero, but medicine has been good to me and the city of Detroit's been good to me and we're being clobbered right now. My will is made. So I'm just going to try to follow all the guidelines for wearing personal protective equipment and help. The man was in retirement. Legacy of a medical doctor will be celebrated by colleagues and a medical professional for generations. He was also older than many. He was more vulnerable to the height of COVID. Instead of staying in the background, he decided to go in the foreground and help put his own self at risk. He said, I have already written my will. I don't want to die, but I can't sit back and do nothing. This is the kind of heart you're dealing with. I want you to understand the soul of this man. After lockdowns, Dr. Barry opted to continue working, now using his voice to provide justice for women facing racial discrimination in healthcare, something we've talked about many times on Indisputable. In the winter of 2022, Dr. Stanley Berry says he tried to raise a very serious issue with his colleagues at Wayne State University's medical school. Bias against black patients in healthcare, especially when they report pain. A particular concern of the veteran doctor was residents potentially harming pregnant black women without realizing it by sending them home despite their excruciating pain, which he said happened at least once. So let me explain what he's talking about. Now, he's using an actual situation there at the university, at the medical school, okay? But there is macro data that has been presented, has been provided, has been echoed by those on the left and the right, okay? The first time I heard this data was at Morehouse School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia. I lectured there in the summertime. And there was a presentation about all of these inequities as it relates to healthcare. And what did we find? We found that black women were not believed. We found that there were issues connected to pregnancies where black women said there's a problem and the white doctor did not take it seriously. And we saw the gap. We saw the disparities as it relates to race in that presentation. There's more. Uh, Barry's colleague also noted uh, discrimination. Executive vice chair of the department, Dr. Lynetta Coleman, told Barry she saw how a resident engaged a black patient with a history of preterm birth at DMC Sinai Grace Hospital. 
Coleman pointed to this incident as an example of how unrecognized bias can adversely affect patient care and clinical outcomes. This is all very scientific. These things are not abnormal, all right? Everyone has uh, bias. Everybody has implicit bias. It is not evil to have implicit bias. It is just wrong when you refuse to check it, all right? We process 11 million unconscious thoughts a day. Only 40,000 of them become conscious. We are walking around in a stew of bias, implicit or intentional. There's more. Bear followed up with another memo that day. All right, same day, calling for a meeting on the issue. Hey, let's meet about it. In my 38 years of working and teaching trainees, I understand that mistakes are made every day by everybody. And when these mistakes pose a real danger to patients, they need to be discussed openly, honestly, and in a timely manner. Barry wrote, I am disappointed that some of you consider my urgent effort to end this substandard medical practice is in poor taste. He was correct. His meeting was canceled by a higher up and a separate meeting was called, excluding the professor. The complaint states it was in this meeting that he and Coleman were referred to as bad apples. And Dr. Coleman had a history of hostility. Despite serving as the interim chair of the department, remember interim chair is the person that's going to be chair. That's how it works typically in medicine. And applying to fill the position full time, Dr. Barry, who'd served a combined three decades as part of the Wayne State faculty, says he was skipped over by the university's administration for a white and less qualified candidate. Dr. Barry has filed civil rights lawsuits alleging he was discriminated against because he spoke out about the dangerous racial bias projected onto black patients in healthcare. I actually agree, Dr. Barry. Dr. Barry's proclamations correspond with what the American Society of Anesthesiologists say is the most up-to-date and extensive study. So let me give it to you, according to the study. Black women, this is what the doctor got passed up for saying, basically. Black women have a 53% increased risk of dying in the hospital during childbirth, no matter their income level, type of insurance, or other social determinants of health, suggesting systemic racism seriously impacts maternal health, according to an 11-year analysis of more than 9 million deliveries in the United States and our hospitals. This was presented at the 2022 annual meeting. The doc was right. He was on to something, but he said it was true. They couldn't handle it. You see, this um, concept that in order to be promoted, in order to be effective at your job in certain uh, arenas, you must be the agreeable Negro to remain in place. 38 years, a man who was willing to sacrifice his own life in order to save members of the community he has never met, not get paid a dime for it, just wants to be helpful. The kind of man you want serving next to you. You want that man in your organization because at the end of the day, he protects you. Not only does he support the ultimate agenda and value the patients, he protects the entity by calling out the madness that is about to bring you down. What does he get? He gets passed up. All right, we will follow this case. Gasper, thoughts here. 
Yeah, you know, the medical system in this country is problematic. It's bogged down by bureaucracy, and there are too many private interests interfering with the ability of doctors to provide health care to individuals. And included in all of that, there are disparities that doctors and hospital systems need to be aware of because they impact the access to and quality of health care that certain individuals receive. And that's whether we're talking about a wealth disparity, a racial bias, et cetera. And as you mentioned, those disparities have tangible and critical results sometimes. And I'm not condemning doctors or hospital workers here. A lot of times their hands are tied as far as what kind of care they're able or allowed to provide to people. They have to work within systems that don't always prioritize the health and well-being of patients, ironically, instead prioritizing, for instance, hospital politics or profitability. And the doctors that I know personally do their best to work within those systems to provide good care to their patients. And a lot of doctors, including some that I know personally, are advocates for better hospital protocols and conditions. And included within that advocacy, they attempt to raise awareness for racial biases and they attempt to update outdated medical beliefs and practices, of which there are many. You know, this doctor wasn't unusual in his advocacy. These types of disparities are well known. They're taught in higher education institutions. You can get an advanced degree in this stuff. Dr. Barry never, never should have been treated this way. There's no excuse for any of this. Former MMA fighters brawl with dads on a golf course. Here it is. Let's put the pictures up full mass. All right. Thugs. In a viral clip, Shared by sports anchor T.J. Uh, Eckert, things got out of control at a place called the Bailey Ranch Golf Club when a brawl broke out right in the middle of the golf course. Why I never. So the sports anchor got both sides of the story. I mean, this just had to be his lucky day or the lucky day of the sports anchor. Uh, got both sides of the story, later tweeted the backstory so that we could have all the tea. And according to him, MMA fighters turned golfers saw kids running around the golf course and urged them to get out of the way on the other side of the fence to avoid being hit with the ball. Despite the warning, a woman from a nearby house allegedly yelled at the golfers and claimed that the kids' dads uh, would fight them. Okay. However, the woman and the dads told a different story. They claimed that the MMA fighters freaked out when the mother made a joke and began yelling at the kids and their moms, prompting the dads to get their ass kicked, I mean, to step in. Men from the house ran out to confront the golfers and stand up for the women and children, according to their version. The fight ensues. Yep. So at the end of it, he just, you know, you got to decide on your, on your own. Nobody really knows. Who's telling the truth? And maybe we never will. All right. I just thought this was really interesting. First of all, um, how unlucky is it for a dad, right, to get upset and say, how dare you talk to my wife like that? And it's a golf course. You go to the golf course and all of a sudden 
you realize that everybody playing golf is an MMA fighter. I mean, damn. At the golf course, this is one I never would have imagined to ever happen. What are your thoughts here? This is, I can't imagine what it must have been like to witness something like this. It's hard not to laugh, but... You know, you also have to be concerned about how easily triggered people are. Like, none of this needed to happen, and it escalated so quickly from honestly nothing. Like, who are the real snowflakes here, you know? Right, there you go. All right. I, I want to know what really happened. So if somebody, I want to know the T. It's not newsworthy at all. If somebody could just email me or tag me on social media, I want to know everything. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, this is an indisputable exclusive. What if I told you that a black male was arrested just for being at his own house? That's exactly what happened. Here's a video. Is this your property? Go, man. Is this your property? Big fat boy. Go, man. Is this your property? Go, man. Nope. It's gonna be my property. What you doing, bro? You must be Dude, what's going on, man? What's up? Help! 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 You want to get beat? Go! I'm not doing nothing! I'm not doing nothing! I'm not doing nothing! Buy him! Buy him! Buy him! Buy him! Buy him! Come on, stop, man! Get him! Buy him! Stop! I ain't got no courage. We're resisting! Get him! We're resisting! Bro, I give up. Come on, man. I got no cuts. Yes, I live here. This is my home, man. Come on, bro. Lay down. Come on, bro. Come on, man. I live here. Get the fuck. Get down. I'm Take trying. Take the grass. Take the grass. I'm down, bro. I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. What you just saw was not an arrest. That was an attack. There's more. Let me give you the background to the insanity that you just witnessed. Let's put up full mass, Mr. Marvin Long. According to his lawyer, Mr. Marvin Long was illegally arrested, brutalized, mauled by a canine intentionally. You just saw it by members of the Sheffield Police Department in Sheffield, Alabama. This took place on June 17, 2021. The video of the arrest has just now come to light, and we are the first to have it. Long is being represented by attorneys Harry Daniels and Roderick Van Daniel. Those men care deeply about justice. Daniels provided background on the arrest to Indisputable. On the day in question, he says, Mr. Long was in his home when he noticed a police car in the road. Being a concerned neighbor, he went outside to see what was going on. He stood by a marked police car that was blocking the road while he observed the police execute a search warrant on a house down the street. Subsequently, the police emerged from his neighbor's house from down the street with two individuals in custody. The police approached the marked police car that was blocking the roadway with the two individuals. Upon approach, one officer told Mr. Long that he could leave and to get away from his car. Mr. Long adhered to the lawful order and 
uh, to the lawful order and moved away from the Martha vehicle. Mr. Long and the officer exchanged profanity to one another. Mr. Long walked back to his house. I was on his porch when the officers approached him. The video now speaks for itself as to what happened next. Mr. Long was charged with obstruction and resisting arrest on his own property, on his own property at home. As you can see from the video, no obstruction of any kind took place. Notably, in Alabama, a person has the right to resist an unlawful arrest so long no force is used to resist the arrest. As noted from the statute below, to be convicted of resisting arrest, the arrest has to be a lawful arrest. In this case, the arrest was unlawful, and the only resistance Mr. Long gave was holding on for his dear life to the fixture on his porch that eventually broke. Mr. Long is awaiting jury trial on his charges. They never dropped them. Let's put him up. One of the arresting officers, Lieutenant Dotson. The officer who arrested Mr. Long has now been arrested himself for assault on another person, unrelated case. Lieutenant Dotson has been charged with reckless endangerment, menacing, third degree assault and harassment in an unrelated case. He needs to be charged in this one as well. We are calling for charges to be affixed to Lieutenant Dotson. Also, we'll keep Lieutenant Dotson up. You saw two other individuals in that video. Sergeant Nick Reisner of the Sheffield Police Department, the one who had the dog. According to my sources, he actually died because he was shot and killed in an unrelated incident. Sergeant Nick Reisner was shot in the line of duty in Muscle Shoals. Lieutenant Dotson was also shot in that same incident, the one you're looking at. He's the one that arrested Mr. Long. These are bad individuals, okay? The victim, Demarcus Key, alleges that on December 23rd, 2022, off-duty Dotson, this is talking about the crimes he's already accused of, hit him multiple times in the mouth and the nose, causing swelling and bruises. He also alleges that Lieutenant Dotson pointed a gun at him. It was over conduct directed toward my daughter. It turned physical and I defended myself. Dotson told Times Daily. That's all I can say about it. Harry Daniels and Roderick Van Daniel are also representing that victim as well. Sheffield Police Chief Ricky Perry, uh, Terry, put him up. So that's old Ricky. Ricky Terry said that Dotson will be placed on administrative leave. At this time, it is unknown whether this will be paid or unpaid. Now I wanna give you some Nuance here, look at the timeline. If they would have decided to say, you're fired when they assaulted the black male on his own property, maybe you don't get some of this other criminality against the community later. You see that badge coupled with psychopathic tendencies is a bad combination. We're gonna follow this story as it continues. All of a sudden, police chief and the executives are starting to do the right thing, suspending, investigating, charging. Should have happened on day one. What they did to this man was an attack. They could have killed him. All right. Yes, my thoughts here. Yeah, it's so difficult for people to just survive in this country sometimes. You could be minding your own business, not actually aggravating anything or anyone, and you still get treated this way. You still get met with 
unfettered and unjustified violence by thug cops. You still get harassed by cops who apparently don't have enough to do, so they decide to create a problem where there wasn't one. Then the man gets gaslit by the same cops that just beat him for no reason at his house, telling him to calm down. I would not be calm in a situation like this, and I can barely believe that he was as calm as he was here. Yeah. And people wonder you know, why people don't trust cops, right? Allegedly, they're there to serve the public. Allegedly, they're there to make places safer, make our homes safer for us. But people wonder why people don't necessarily feel safer with them around. You know, I was watching that show Dinosaurs from the 90s. I don't know if you guys remember that show. But even in that show from the 90s, the cops were always portrayed in an unflattering way. They always tend to make problems worse rather than better once they are called. So even if, when you want help, even when you bring, you you call them, you say, you come here, I need help, they still don't make, make much of a difference. You know, this isn't anything new as far as incompetent cops or ignorant or unqualified cops. And sure, maybe there are some good ones, but we're not talking about them right now. We're talking about the bad ones who are doing bad things, harassing people and making life worse, not better for people. They are contributing to their own bad press. So I don't even feel yep. bad speaking about it. Wisconsin, black students are saying, listen, this uh, individual who said all these, all this racist stuff has to go. Here's a video. Because I'm going to go back and haunt every little <laughs> Demi Long. I literally hate all of them. I'm going to make them pick kind in the fields all day long until they die of thirst. And like they literally going to, their bodies are going to dry out because of how much cotton they're picking for me. Because Nothing funny. University of Wisconsin black students are saying that this racist student needs to go. I agree. Let me lay out the background. The university released a public statement on Monday evening that said it was aware of the video. All right, here's the statement. While the university can't limit what students and employees post to their personal social media accounts and can't take action against posts that are not unlawful, Racist slurs do not represent or reflect UW-Madison values around creating an inclusive community, the statement said. Now, I'm going to explain where they're wrong. A change.org petition was created that called for the expulsion of the woman whose uh, name Atlanta Black Star has not been able to verify. Over 33,000 people have already signed the petition. Past inc incident involving that university in 2000, in 2000, the Madison Wisconsin University reportedly digitally edited a photo of a black student into an admissions brochure to promote more inclusiveness. They have to find a fake black person for their brochure. Somebody that's not black, they decided to edit as if they were. In 2020, a homecoming video meant to connect different races of students on campus featured mostly white students. More recently, in 2021, the members of the Wisconsin Black Student Union and the Wonk Sheik called for the removal of a 42-ton boulder called Chamberlain Rock that was associated with a racial slur from the 1920s. That's according to the Badger Herald. The school eventually did actually remove it after the students spoke up. Jennifer Nukin is the current chancellor who started her position last month. Chancellor, let me say this. Madam, I'm a university professor. I understand um, you're in a quagmire of a situation. You just got there. You're trying to figure out 
what buttons do what, what levers do what. Uh, but I would say this, you are defined by early decisions you make in leadership. Uh, and I want to remind you that your institution receives federal dollars. Because it receives federal dollars, because it is connected to the federal grant program, there are protections that are required as it relates to discriminatory practices. If you have a belief, good faith belief, that students can be, let's say, discriminated against by others, faculty, administration, or other students, if you do not make the proper or appropriate protocols and remedies to stop that from happening, you could be subject to lose the federal financial aid that your institution receives. I just want to remind you of that while at the same time reminding the students of that as well. All right, Yasmin, thoughts here. Yeah, you know, um, this type of behavior, it used to be socially unacceptable, so much so yeah. that you really didn't see or hear people speak this way in public. And maybe that's happening now. Maybe it was always happening, but we just didn't know about it because now we have these phones with these video cameras on them. But maybe these videos, despite attempting to embarrass these individuals, it actually empowers them to a certain degree. It gives them notoriety. And despite the overall conversation condemning this kind of behavior, they still manage to find their supporters within that backlash. But it should be embarrassing for them to be this unhinged, especially publicly. And it should be embarrassing to be this ignorant publicly because that's really what this is. Anytime I've met a racist individual in my life, that was the first thing I thought. They're racist and they're ignorant, right? Yep. It's sometimes that, you know, that ignorance happens in spite of education sometimes, as we're seeing here, because this was an actual student. She sought out that education. But wherever that racism came from, regardless of how she became this way, she needs help. But in the meantime, she shouldn't be the rest of the student body's problem. That's right. Um, not the problem of those seeking true scholarship, knowledge and opportunity right. to engage. Black writer sues WWE for racism and discrimination. The headline alone, there doesn't even need to be a trial, a jury or anything. <laughs> Guilty. Okay, come on. Come on. Really? Is it, it is, come on. Former WWE writer filed a lawsuit in federal court naming WWE Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Kevin Dunn, Ryan Callahan, and other executives as defendants. Brittany Abrahams, black woman, said she was fired by WWE last year in retaliation for pushing back against racism, as well as racist and stereotypical pitches in the writer's room, according to court documents. Abraham's claims within first two weeks of employment with WWE, she shadowed Kevin Dunn on the right there, who wrote a backstage scene for wrestler Bianca Belair on the left. A line written for Bianca Belair stating, uh-oh, don't make me take off my earrings and beat your ass. Abraham's also claims that Belair herself was uncomfortable with the line and repeatedly said that she didn't want to say it. Okay. Hmm. In conversation with Ms. Belair the following day, informed Abrahams that she told Kevin Dunn three different times that I don't want to say that line, but he never listens to me. He puts that line in every week. Ms. Belair said the script's discriminatory lines made her look ghetto. That's a quote. Abraham would 
shortly be reassigned to Shadow Ryan Callahan. Maybe it'll get better. Nope. Lawsuit also claims that Ryan Callahan on the right pitched a backstory for Saudi Arabian-born wrestler Mansoor on the left, having secretly orchestrated the attacks of September 11, 2001. For real. It's ignorant, not even creative. It also alleged that Callahan pitched a hunting gimmick for wrestler Shane Thorne, who would hunt down wrestler Reggie for fun. When Abraham's objected to a gimmick where a white man hunting a black African-American man for sport is racist, Callahan laughed and sarcastically responded, oh, what, is that a bad thing? There was also a pitch of Reggie dressing in drag. Lawsuit claims Nigerian-born wrestler Apollo Cruz forced to speak with an over-the-top Nigerian accent. Abrahams brought up concerns about the storyline to Callahan, but her complaint allegedly falling on deaf ears. Vince and Stephanie McMahon were apparently CC'd on these email complaints along with other executives. Abrahams alleges she and another black writer were discriminated against because of their criticisms of those ideas and lines. Termination from the company. Abrahams claims she was fired by WWE in 2022 because she took home a commemorative chair from WrestleMania 38 in Dallas, even though that was an open practice among WWE employees. And she witnessed white employees doing the very same thing without punishment. Okay. Hmm. Well, Jackson, I'll start from there. Okay. We, I think we know what it is. But her grandma would have told her, okay, you can't do what they do, okay, and expect to get away with it. But this whole thing is not shocking. Are any of these allegations shocking to you? No, I mean, um, yeah, I, I can only imagine the amount of lawsuits that are available to be filed or that have been, you know, uh, swept under the rug or quietly filed. And one against an organization like the WWE, who basically, you know, uh, being provocative and edgy is what they do. Um, And given that that's their culture and that's what they profit from, they're going to lean into that as much as they can. So, again, let alone these lawsuits, I can only imagine all the issues that people who have worked with them have faced over the years. And, you know, especially when it comes to Vince McMahon, I mean, like one of the most notable things that he's ever done or that he's most uh, known for is wearing a do-rag and saying the N-word, you know, like live in one of the the WWE segments. That's, you know, when people think of him, that's that's what they think of. So, again, no, this absolutely is not surprising whatsoever. Um, And. you know, I, I'm sure this is just a couple lawsuits among literally hundreds sure. that, that that have been filed against them. And you have to think of it this way: the the event that you speak of with Vince McMahon, it's just disgusting. But nobody got in your ear and said, mm, "I want to do that," right? Because that's how pervasive this stuff apparently might be. And for Bianca Belair, I don't know if she's going to get much airtime now that. They know everything she allegedly said. But I want to ask you this. I'll give you the last word. John Cena, right? Just another white superstar propped up by this company. And that's really how it goes, right? 
you win in the ring and then you begin to cross over and do beautiful things if you look a certain way and you're given certain storylines. When you're the villain and speaking with a thicker accent than you're natively supposed to, I don't know if those parts are coming your way or the riches that go with them. It's a hard life, glamorous, okay, visible, sure, but it's a hard life of travel and not as much money as people think, unless, unless you're, you're doing the, the, yeah, exactly. You're, you're hawking trash bags and dancing about one of the companies that checks our credit, okay? And in all those movies. And, you know, um, just in terms of, uh, well, I think one of the most egregious things about this story was a 9-11 enactment and then making the Nigerian guy speak with a thicker accent. But uh, the 9-11 reenactment, especially because of the type of negative attention that that could draw to you for carrying it out. You know what I'm saying? And, and the, how people will look at you for doing things like that. They're actually putting these people in danger, um, especially when it comes to that and just kind of making a clown of yourself. Which, again, is a lot of what the WWE is. It's a big clown show at the end of the day. Um, but, two, your employees are human beings. And especially if they voice concern over something that they wouldn't like to do it, there's a million other acts, there's a million other approaches that can be taken. So this is just a general uh, work issue uh, that isn't acceptable. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and sometimes it has to be boiled down to something simple, what you just said. This is a, a work issue that is unacceptable and must be dealt with. And the way they dealt with it was when she complained, rightfully so, they passed her along to the next guy who wasn't milder. It was worse, right? 9-11 mm -hmm. is gross. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I said, there doesn't need to be a trial. Is that we declare it happened. At least I do, okay? It's too believable. All right. Jasmine, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you. Check out your great work. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at YazK with five Z's, Y-A-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-K. And also you can check out my videos on The Breakdown with TYT on YouTube. Always remarkable. Thank you. All right. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. But what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I got to let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform throughout this country, so I won't stop. And you won't stop either.